In this week's episode, we ask the question, what happens when Martin Landau acts opposite of himself? We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. I'm Ben. And tonight we're looking at the Space 1999 episode, Seed of Destruction. 1,608 days after leaving Earth's orbit, Alpha encounters a jewel-like asteroid. It is somehow causing some readings or something on Alpha. Investigating the asteroid, Koenig is separated from Alan and wanders around in a hall of mirrors-like cave until his reflection taps him on the shoulder and then gives him the Koenig neck pinch. Swapping jackets, the mirror Koenig returns to Alpha and has the Alphans start construction of an energy ray to shoot the asteroid and free them of a dangerous thingamajiggy. Honest, it's a thingamajiggy and it's really bad, but Koenig brushes off all questions about its nature or threat. It's just really bad, okay? Helena's concern about the energy beam destroying their life support systems are ignored when Maya points out she hasn't completed, nor could have Koenig, an analysis she is confined to quarters for insubordination. A brief discussion by the other Alphans considers the idea that something could be wrong with Koenig, but Alan points out that maybe he's just lying to protect them. Yeah, that's it, and he does it all the time, after all. Okay, well, let's get on with building the beam that will destroy life on Alpha. Later, in Maya's quarters, Tony and Maya discuss what's happening. An inkling of a radical idea forms. What if John isn't behaving normally because of something that happened to him on the asteroid? We should steal an eagle and go take a look. But that would mean that John Koenig is medically unfit, so maybe instead we should ask Helena her opinion instead. Helena doesn't like the idea, but later, as their life support systems start to fail, uh, when she touches Koenig, he is like ice, and she knows that something might possibly be wrong. Looks like the only plan left is to steal an eagle and visit the asteroid. Tony and Maya try to convince Alan, but he's not having it. The words duty and loyalty mean something to him, and he owes those words to John Koenig. So they steal an eagle without him. Koenig orders it shot down. Even Alan is having a hard time stomaching this order. I mean, he's really conflicted. On, on the one hand, his commander is building a beam that appears to be going to kill everyone on Alpha, has locked down the station with jackbooted thugs keeping the peace, and has just ordered him to murder his friends and tank top-ranking officers, Tony and Maya, whilst Red Face screaming at him. And on the other hand, there's duty and loyalty. Two words that mean something to Alan. In the end, Helena stops Koenig from firing by saying that using his laser will divert power from the energy beam. See? You can reason with him. On the asteroid, Tony and Maya find Koenig and rescue him. They have developed a sonic signal using their comlongs that destroys the Calthon crystals. For Calthon is what the asteroid is called. Koenig takes their eagle and leaves them behind to destroy the threat while he returns the Alpha to... I'm not sure why. 
stop the Mirror Koenig from sleeping with Helena? I'm just not really sure why he's going back. Tony and Maya botch the job and get trapped in crystals, despite literally holding in their hands the devices that can destroy the crystals. Koenig arrives on Alpha, and a tense standoff occurs. They both claim to be the real John Koenig. There's the man that's been giving orders that has literally destroyed their water, protein, and hydroponic systems, plus has turned off power for patients in the med lab and ordered their friends to be killed. And then there's the guy that's just returned from an asteroid and claims that the other's an imposter. Which to choose, which to choose, which to choose. It takes a while, but Alan finally decides and shoots the evil Koenig. But, but real Koenig uses a sonic wave and destroys Calthon, and the episode ends, presumably with Tony and Maya being killed on the dying asteroid Calthon when the artificial atmosphere dissipates. So, Seed of Destruction, Seed of Destruction. What did you Don't think ask. Of- don't, don't ask me. Don't ask you what you thought of Seed of Destruction. Um, no. Okay, well, I'll tell you what I thought of Seed of Destruction. Um, it's not a great episode, but um, I had a lot of fun with it. And I had fun with it because of how stupid Thank you. everyone on Alpha is. It is insanely stupid, but this is the kind of stupid that makes me angry. So I'll tell you what happened while we were watching this episode. There's the scene where Koenig arrives on the moon base, right? So instantly. The the alien arrives instantly. He says, get on the intercom. We're going to build this beam. We're going to suck this stuff out. And Helena says, but John, that'll that'll take away valuable power from our life support system and threaten our lives. No, don't worry about it. It's dangerous. Really, it's bad. And then Maya says, Commander, I'd like to see the... the I'd like to complete my analysis. There's no need. I've done that. You You did the analysis? Without any instrumentation, this discussion is ended. Confine yourself to quarters. And my daughter, Michelle, goes, time for a mutiny. (laughs) Exact words at that exact moment. It's time for a mutiny. See, no sane person would have let him go beyond that point. Mm -hmm. The fact that anyone on Alpha was like, oh, no, no, it is John. But but I have some thoughts on that. But, But we could come back to that. But in other words, it's just, you know... We've, we've stacked everybody up here. The person who ought to be first, maybe, maybe it should be Maya, because she's the smart one, right? So, okay, fine. Helena should be second because she knows John best. Mm-hmm. Tony, fine, I'm fine that he's in the first tier. Alan, oh, Alan, 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 how is it that in half the episodes you're ready to overthrow John Koenig whenever he does something you disagree with? And then and the other half of the episode... Even yeah. when you know he's doing everything wrong. wrong. Mm-hmm. Because loyalty and duty mean something to me. <laughs> Today. Today. Today they mean something to me. Other days... Tomorrow, it may not necessarily mean anything. And, and I gotta, right now it means something. Now, now here's the thing. And I, I alluded to it in the recap. And, and it, to me, these guys are completely... Alan, in particular, is just completely out of whack here. Um, and, you know, dumb as a post. Even to the point was, you know, how many times do you have to see John Koenig do something that is absolutely positively, you know, red face screaming in your face, follow my orders, follow my orders, follow my orders, I'm going to stamp my feet. And then, you know, go, maybe the command is a little uptight, you know, um, the, the times you just, but how many times, and I don't know how many it is, so it's a rhetorical question, but it's more than five, has John Koenig 
completely and utterly lied to everyone on Alpha and pretended to be nutso, a traitor, uh, a, a weak, spineless wuss, whatever it happens to be, in order to defeat the aliens. And everyone else on Alpha is like, mm, John's behaving kind of weirdly. I can't believe he'd give up and go over to the alien ship just because there's a hot space babe over there. I just don't get it. He does it all the time. Mm-hmm. So I appreciated that they immediately had that little meeting after he dunked by. I mean, at the same point that Michelle goes, time for a mutiny, they have their little meeting. And they're like, well, this is kind of, you know, this is dangerous. And this is kind of a little bit weird. And Alan, remembering all those of the times that Koenig burned him on this, says, he could be lying to us to protect us. And Helen is like, yes, that's very likely. <laughs> it's like, okay, Koenig, you put your, you built that. You cried wolf one time too many. And, and now it's going to bite you in the butt, mm. except that then they carry it way too far. You know, like 35 minutes too far beyond that point. But, eh, you know, trying to justify it, but I can kind of just sort of just sort of say, Alan at least has a point. The commanders lied to us before. <laughs> yeah, um, I've got one huge problem. It's a massive one. And I was screaming at it from the very first moment the alien Koenig makes his appearance. And that is, would you please look at his goddamn hair? Now that's an interesting comment because I am going to ask you a question. What side do I part my hair on? I don't pay attention to your hair. See, and I wouldn't pay attention to Koenig's either. But And he doesn't Helena have much of a part. Would. And the thing, here's the weird thing. Um, Worst doctor in space. I don't well, grant her observational skills, but okay. Well, yeah. here, he, but here's the thing: your hair uh, is is a completely different style than than Martin Landau's. Koenig's got a very very visible part. That was very diplomatic of you. <laughs> Mine's just sort of wild and. <laughs> well, yeah, it is. So to so to try to uh, identify a part in in your hair is uh, rather challenging. Not the case with Koenig. His hair is definitely naturally parted on the left side. I Always has been. I was knowing that that's the key at the end of this episode. Um, I was paying more attention to it when he was down in the halls of Hall of Mirrors trying to figure out how... And I didn't think his part was that strong. Um, but, he was screaming at me. You know, it was... Yeah. <laughs> so much that, uh, I mean, even I, when, when Mirror Koenig shows up, uh, I could look at that and say, wow, something is like really off with the hair. I mean, I could not stop staring at it. I, I think, and I could be wrong, but I shifted the side I parted my hair on at some point when I was, I don't know, in college. And it took it took a couple of weeks before it would sit. And Koenig's does look like that. Mirror Koenig's does look like he's kind of, the natural part is fighting back, I will mm-hmm. admit. Uh, yeah. It gives him a little bit more of a... Well, that's, that's a makeup look. thing. That's yeah. a makeup thing, so I will sort of forgive that. But it just, I, I'm just so used to seeing the, the way the part aligns with his face that I couldn't help but notice something just being completely wrong. And it's not just the fact that the part was fighting him. Because you're right, it was. But that wasn't it. It's just 
there should be a part there. There really needs to be a part on that side of the head. Why is that? You know, I mean, it was just so annoyingly obvious to me. And it's the one thing I kept, I kept just screaming about. You know, and the thing is that I actually have no memory of ever watching this episode before. Oh, are you lucky? Lucky, oh. lucky, lucky. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know if that was luck or not, because now, because watching this for the first time, it was, this, this, this was really venturing dangerously close to Montague territory. Wow. I, I didn't think it was anywhere in that bad, but it, it oh, did. Oh, it was I, for me. I was, I was Be- particularly frustrated at Alan. When people, oh well, yeah, I was very frustrated with Alan, but I just saw stupidity. The big dumb kangaroo, <laughs> big dumb kangaroo. That I gotta admit, that was pretty funny. <laughs> and I thought, okay, wow, let, you know, okay, that that's you know, is not that now an epithet, you know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I wonder what he calls Tony in return. Mm. What kind of what kind of Italian thing is there? Uh, aside from the obvious ones, I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, come to think of it, that that's that's interesting. Australia is one of those few places that you can call somebody an animal, a specific animal, and you know it's Australian. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, it's yeah, like, because yeah, Wolverine. Got... It's like, oh, yeah. uh, are those strictly yeah, North partic- America? I'm not sure. <laughs> you Aussie wombat, you. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, yeah. <laughs> Gosh. Australia's you stupid, got all of you the advantages. You stupid us. platypus. I mean, yeah. It's, 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 yeah. Australia is a cunt. You know, yeah. Evolution totally unique there. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't think that kind of thing it would work in you know for uh, for Tony's sake. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think Alan could come up with anything that'd be quite as cutting. Or or honestly, something they could say on TV. <laughs> there well, are there yeah. are Italian epithets there out there, Italian but Italian you wouldn't want to use those. We just those, will not repeat right. those. No, because okay. those are just tacky. Yes, 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 indeed. Um, <laughs> but that was the thing that just I kept noticing. I mean, right from the get-go, I kept thinking, uh, the hair? Really the hair? Come on, somebody please notice the hair. You know what I thought was interesting about... I remember... Okay. I remember watching this episode when it aired. This is one of those very few, particularly, that I probably snuck when my dad was out of town or something and I wasn't supposed to be watching it I did anyway because because I could and I remember two things about it one was that the TV guide description used the word awry in it and I had to look that word up because I'd never heard the word awry and I've always liked the word ever since and and the second thing is that like you although not to that degree when Koenig at the end goes I part my hair on the left then it's like that's what's been bugging me the whole time, is that Martin Lando's hair is combed wrong. I mean, there was something about his face, his head, that was bugging me, but I couldn't have told you what it was. But I remember in retrospect when he said that, I'm like, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it is, it's there. It's definitely mm-hmm. there. I'm not trying to poo-poo it and say it. But at the same time, on the other hand, I sh- it's not that I knew which side it was wrong. It's something about the way it's combed that looks not the same probably because it's fighting fighting the part but i'm just wondering how many people that you know and meet on any given day if they said which side do i part my hair on how how many people would you know some people would obviously ocd and know everybody's part and on the other hand on alpha i'm just wondering you know somebody those who work closest with john should have seen it helena 
should have seen it. I mean, forget the fact that she's just and her observational skills are, are pathetic. It, that, that doesn't excuse it. She should have seen it. I would have expected Maya to see it. Because even though she has not been with Koenig, you know, and, and been with Alpha for this long a time, I would have liked to believe, especially for someone who is a shapeshifter, that her observational skills would have been really uh, top-notch. And, and that she would have seen something like that. Because everything, you know, whenever she t- uh, takes another form, everything's about mimicking. Mm-hmm. And she has. She'd think she'd be good. She's espe- she says she's especially sensitive to all living things, right. or something like and that. And she should have seen it, and she did not. Alan should have seen it, because those two have worked together for a long time. He should have seen it, and yet he didn't. I was thinking about uh, a friend of mine, a friend of ours, John, who worked with me before I retired for ah 17 years and I couldn't tell you what side his parts on either so I'm I'm just not the person to to say I I just don't see that well and I don't see don't stuff see, like that I, in people either so right I and I well you know that's that's just the way you observe things your right. your observational skills are center in you know your focuses are are elsewhere my wife is just across the room and she's behind the exercise bike and I'm trying to think I think her part goes down the middle. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it goes down the middle. And now I'm looking. No, it's slightly to the left. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. <laughs> she's shaking her head and pointing a finger at me rather accusatorily. <laughs> I do not point finger. I heard that. Yeah, so did our listeners. <laughs> All right. Uh, it's guest star today, folks. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> It's because she was playing Plants vs. Zombies. I'm just saying. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so, now, here's my question. How much of their budget was spent making the mirror jacket? Oh, man. Good because, question. It looked pretty shoddy. Because they got the zipper right. Yeah, I noticed that. I noticed it, yeah, because you saw Koenig's reaction as he had to, like... Yeah, he didn't... Zippers. Well, when he put did the zipper, he didn't really seem to do any response, but when he did the belt, he went nuts. That's when he went kind of crazy. Yeah, you would have thought... Maybe he... You would have... just Maybe because he was still kind of, like, out of it. It was... It's funny because I literally was having this conversation with my daughter yesterday that men's and women's buttons button up the opposite way. She didn't know right. that. Right? And, and, you know, why would you? Unless you put on someone else's shirt and you try. But if you've ever done that, the second you touch the fasteners, your brain your brain rebels. It goes, eh! This is, and zippers are backwards, too. Men's and women's zippers, if I'm not mistaken, are reversed. I and, they are. And so, you know, when you would... A man would expect the clasp to be in his right hand to hook up... You just simply wouldn't... You couldn't not notice it when you tried to do up your... I mean, instantly you would go, this is wrong. I've done this zipper a million times. And, you know, every day of my life I've put the zipper on. You go, clunk, clunk, zip. And you would go, boom, backwards. And you'd know it right then and there. But he doesn't. He waits until he gets to the belt. And then he's like, 
oh, and my patches are wrong. But now, so they spent time and effort on that, but apparently they couldn't spend time and effort to make him a backward shirt. Mm. Because when Mirror Koenig unzips the jacket and starts to take it off, the stripes are right where they belong, mm. yeah. down his chest. And, uh, yeah. But, and then, we'll carry it a step further. Imagine if you are Mr. Mirror. You've just knocked Koenig unconscious, and he's lying face down on the ground. And you're going to take his place. And then you look at your jacket, and you realize, whoa, they're going to notice all the letterings backwards and everything. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, would I even notice that? But okay. <laughs> I mean, eventually I probably would, but uh, would I even notice that? So he takes the jacket off, and he puts on Koenig's jacket. Now, we don't actually see him put on Koenig's jacket because he can't take the jacket off because his shirt isn't reversed, and they don't want to show that. So they stop it before they get to the sleeve. But then the next we see him, he's got the right way jacket on. The next time we see real Koenig, what position is he in? He's lying on the ground. Right. He's, face yeah, down. He's on the right. Wearing the jacket. Yeah. So the mirror Koenig <clears throat> took the effort to, to put actually lift the, him up, lift take him the jacket up, off, swap, swap it, and then put him back down put, in the same position. And then put the jacket back down, put it on him again, instead of just yeah. tossing it on top of him and leaving him for dead. Kind yeah, of, and if he's <clears throat> and if he's planning on on never retrieving him, you know, why go through all that effort? Yeah, at, at all. I mean, I, didn't he just like toss the com lock aside? It's like wouldn't he carefully put the com lock back in the? I, it, it, yeah, it it just very <clears throat> poorly done, and yet they obviously spent time and effort on that jacket. <laughs> Backward zipper, make the patches. I would love to have gotten a close up on those patches to see if they were I don't know paper stuck on there instead of real mm. patches or. I don't know. How do you make... No, I don't want to know. I was going to say, how do they make all those patches for the things? I have no idea. Did they make a bunch of them so they could sell them afterwards in the aftermarket, or did they have to custom I don't think they thought that far ahead. Mm. Maybe, maybe not. All right. I think they probably just had enough spares in case, you know, of wear and tear, and and, uh, they just needed to replace. I wonder. I wonder. Over the years, I've learned how cheap costume departments are and it just always amazes me um how, you know how what they get by on so and what well, you know gets I mean, passed well i it's isn't yes you're and you're right i have seen some really amazing costumes on the screen and i'm not talking space 1999 but in movies and other television shows and then i i go to a studio a film studio and see the actual costume and think my god what a yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. How poor looking. It's amazing what you can get away with on television or, or mm-hmm. even on the big screen. I'll divert for a second. Totally off topic, but on the topic of what you can get away with on screen. Uh, kind of kicking back to our discussion on the Six Million Dollar Man. Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned, I've been, I've been plowing through it, and I'm in the final season of Six Million Dollar Man. There's an episode where they're trying to scam Austin into thinking that he's traveled through a time warp uh, six or eight years into the future. Oh, God, I've not seen that one. And, you know, they've, they've changed all, they've got calendars and they've isolated him so he, you can't know. And, and he's a little suspicious. I'll give him points for that. He's a little suspicious and he sees a bunch of boxes off to the side and he breaks away and he runs over to the boxes because they're packed with newspaper and he pulls one out and it's got a Los Angeles Times from 1984 in it. And 
you know, okay, see the headline and you think, wow, they printed up a fake newspaper. No, they didn't print up a fake newspaper. They got real Los Angeles Times, and then they cut out 1984 and glued it. Ew. And on the DVD release, you can see that it's just glued on. In other words, it looks like a bad ransom letter. Yeah, but, you know, if you'd been watching it in 1978... On those lousy televisions, on those sets, TVs, yeah, it probably would have passed. Would have completely passed. Which is no true. Everyone would have seen, seen it. Yeah, I've seen, there's been other things where I've seen like that happen too. There's been some uh, actually some Star Trek, um, you know, classic Star Trek episodes where coffee stains. Well, you, props. Yeah. Uniforms, um, even some uh, makeup jobs, and it's because they thought, well, I mean, they, they had no idea that eventually someone was going to get their hands on these negatives and you know, put them through a strong remaster. So, so and then the folks at Space 1999 should be kind of proud because I couldn't immediately rip their jacket to shreds. It, it does look a little rushed, but but all in all, it, it actually looked like they made another hero jacket. But it they, did. But they couldn't make another hero shirt, apparently. So, anyways, <laughs> but that's uh, neither here nor there. Um, Let's see. At one point, I'm just jumping around here because I've got some high-level notes and then I get some low-level notes. At one point, uh, Tony and Maya go to the asteroid and they find John Koenig frozen in the crystals. In a mirror. In yeah. a mirror. Crystal mirrors, right. And how do we get him? I think it's the real John. How do we get him out? They try to bang on it with the butt of the laser and that doesn't work. And then, how are we going to get out of him? Maya goes, we'll have to use the laser. Said, well, but he'll shoot, uh, you know. And so finally, Tony shoots with the laser and it breaks the thing and they get John out. Yay! And John goes, well, now we've got to do this thing and the, that and save the thing and we've got to destroy the crystal Calthon and, and Maya goes, we can because I've modified our comlinks to put out a signal that will destroy the crystals uh, based on our experimentation. Good, you go do that. And I'm thinking, you couldn't why didn't use you that, that on the mirror. Yeah, why didn't you do that earlier? Similarly, when they're trapped in the mirror like John was in the crystal cube, Unlike John, they don't freeze instantly. They're kind of slowly going, Mm -hmm. holding their calm links, which are set to break the crystals, and they never turn it on. That That whole thing was... uh, Why would he leave them? Why? Why? Why would he leave them? Why did we even have that subplot? Them going? Well, I mean, going there, but then we're led to believe that, okay, now to really save the day... They have to go to, you know, find this Calthon. <laughs> yeah, fi- find the crystal of Calthon so they can destroy it. That's the only way to be to be free of all of this. And th- it's it's a deliberate story point. Mm-hmm. And that ne- then they just next thing we see, we just see them get just stuck in a, in a mirror. Yes, I, I I don't disagree. Obviously, if Koenig had stayed with them, then they would have used the comlinks to destroy Calthon. And that would have been the hero thread. But instead, they had to take it with them back with Koenig to the station. And I'm disappointed there. I think that Tony and Maya should have been allowed to do something to help save the day. I do, too. It would have been nice. Instead, what happens? Koenig just simply turns off the beam that's supplying all the energy. And that, that's, that's all that was necessary. No, no. He flipped on the sonic beam. He fl- he Did he? On- it, it yeah. looked... I thought it looked like he turned the power off. I think he did both. I think he turned the power off, and I think he also did the sound. Sound. However, how would he know how to turn on the sound that Maya rigged up? See, that, that's why that I just was, thought he turned the power off because that's all that was needed. Just turn the, you know, kill the power and 
uh, the, the regeneration of Calthon fails. I, I thought that was what stopped the regeneration of Calthon, but I thought the destruction, I mean, the fact that we had the stereo pretty loud, there was a pretty loud no- noise coming from that thing um, that seemed like a thing Koenig had done. So mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't get, I, I, well, I, I didn't have the sound on that. That loud last night, you well, know, but uh, actually, it was. but I I did not catch that. I just it just seemed like that he just so, simply flipped a switch, and then the story ends. Literally, oh, some dust. Quite okay, boom. Literally, yeah. it stops, and I thought same as same oh, as okay. Uh, brief moment of humanity where they just stop the episode out with them out on the planet. I mean, what seriously? What happens to Tony and Maya? Calthon was maintaining a small localized atmosphere so that it could snare them. Mm-hmm. Calthon's dead, I think. I think Calthon's dead. Doesn't or that mean Tony Admire's dead? Well, I don't know if it's dead, dead, dead. I mean, obviously now it's got a little bit of extra life in it. Not as much life as it's going to need in order to create the regeneration, but it's got a little bit more life in it than it did before. Maybe, of course, I would but, imagine but that. The, but if, uh, if it felt that if if Calthon felt that the mission had failed, they would probably would have just evacuated all of that air and you know, all that atmosphere and you know, been done with it. Yeah, well, it would have lost power and couldn't have held it down because it's a little tiny asteroid. I, I, another reason that I think that it's Koenig triggering the sound was that that also kept breaking things down on the asteroid, too. And that's what started the chain reaction of shattering everything. It was. Yeah. It, it felt like it was... I don't know. I, it, who knows? I mean, I don't think they thought it through too terribly, too terribly well. No. Um, you know, I think what, what somebody might have, some poor sod writer might have thought was a deep and meaningful conversation about loyalty... And duty of command. Oh, that would have been nice. Is what they didn't give us that, but I think they thought they were trying. Um, and you know, I would have. I was expecting one. It's a decent. It's a decent topic for discussion, but the way it was handled here was so badly. And and I'll give an example of where it's sort of. I don't want to hold it up as being like the greatest ever, right? But. That discussion, when it comes up in Babylon 5, you know, when does the chain of command, when do you break out of the chain of command mm-hmm. and do what's right, right, as opposed to do what orders you've received? Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, you want to go look at the, you want to go look at the Nazis. I was just following orders. I mean, that's where the, that's where that, that trope comes from, that phrase, I was just following orders, and from the Nuremberg trials. Mm-hmm. And you know, at what point are you culpable? A military is meant to be mindless, right? From the commander tells the guy underneath him and the guy underneath him does it. That's what the chain of command means. And in a military setting, and at what point, you know, what, what, what safety valves, what mechanisms, what, what is the, the point where it's too much? And you could argue killing people, but... It kind of ignoring the quasi-military nature of, of Moonbase Alpha, or formerly quasi-military uh, of it, you know, but that's a thing the military does, too. They do give you orders to go kill people. Yeah. <laughs> You're sub- so even that, even that layer of, no, I'm not, you know, this is a social norm, I should be doing that, is gone if you're following a strict military chain of command. Yeah, but even orders like that, 
um, at times when you know, most, I would like to think that, you know, I, and I have no experience on this, so I'm speaking purely out of ignorance here, but I would like That's to That's what think, this podcast is about, Ben. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I would like to think that whenever, you know, when, whenever there is some sort of uh, an order that comes from the chain of command to, to kill somebody, that in some strange way the order makes sense. I would like to think that. I would like to think that, and obviously there is such a thing as conscientious objection. Yeah. Um, and and again, there is a place for that discussion. There There is a place for a story in a military organization of that nature. The problem with Moonbase Alpha is, one, it's not really supposed to be military, although it's not much really. more. It's sort of much more military in season two than it was in season one, where they had a lot more staff board meetings um and they're all close friends you know they've transcended the military order long ago Mm -hmm. they're they're not they're not you know it's like it's like when they're on gilligan's island and everyone still pretends like the skipper is the boss (laughs) he's not really you know (laughs) the professor is and in this case, frankly, Maya is. Except that everyone lets the cult of John go on on their. Th- you know, it's he's gotten to be leader not because he's the commander, but because he's the personality that has dominated out on this group of people, and 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 you can't make that. They're too close. You can't make this argument. Everyone, every person from Alan on down should have gone. You know, that's not John. And just and been done with it. We're not exactly. doing that, John. Not happening. We're not you know, shutting off our life support system for this. That's nuts. Well, you got to tell us. You know, and we made reference to Star Trek at least when we had uh, the episode Turnabout Intruder. At least there was a classic example where everybody on the bridge finally knew that just couldn't Kirk do it. Kirk was just nuts, and they all just you know they they just refused to take. Uh, uh, an extreme order. I mean, and they understood the consequence. They, I mean, okay. they discussed it. They understood that what we were talking about, you know, th- th- they were talking mutiny. They were talking mutiny. Let me ask you this question now. Uh, obviously, in in olden times, mutiny is treason. Treason is a killable offense. And right. in theory, treason is still a killable offense in, in the United States, at least. And certainly in 1970-whatever, when this was being made, that they uh, people would have considered treason to be uh, a death offense. But in the case of Star Trek, we're in the future. Let's pretend there is no death penalty, okay? okay? Sulu, Chekhov, the bridge crew, not obeying an order from the captain is grounds for them being arrested, drummed out of their commission, drummed out of Starfleet, possibly put in prison. All those things. Fine. In the case of Moonbase Alpha, none of that exists. There is no court-martial mechanism. There is no... We'll send you to Leavenworth. Right. Everything here is, if, you know, what we think you're doing will kill us, that's a completely different, that's a completely different thing than the crew going, you know, the captain's acting kind of weird, and I think I'm just not going to take his orders here. Because it's not like he flew to a planet and said, let's fire phasers and blow up the whole planet and everybody stopped, or, or I'm giving the command to blow up the ship or whatever. He's just giving irrational orders, and they're finally having too much. But in this case, he's giving orders which, from the get-go, from the first objection raised by Helena, is, 
this is going to damage our life support. It, that should have been a no starter. We're done. Mm-hmm. Right oh, there. Oh, absolutely. So, uh, um, let's see. What else have I got here? I could make notice that in the first scene when we see the mirror Koenig, they do that bit where Koenig looks at the mirror and then he turns away and the mirror doesn't. Mm-hmm. I contend that that could not happen. If you did that, unless you closed your eyes and then turned around and walked off, you would notice it instantly. Because that is correct. Your peripheral um, vision you is going to see that for a long you time. Would, and you would, yes, 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 that's correct. And, you know, even when somebody's like, on a TV show and they're doing the faux mirror thing. And I'm like, you can't make the motions perfect enough that you can't tell. No, the only person who could do what you just suggested, you know, not close the eyes, you know, that again, that would have been Helena because as you've clearly indicated, (laughs) she can't close her eyes. (laughs) Well, no, she can't uh, because her face is frozen. Plus she has no power of observation. Oh boy. I'm being mean again. Aren't I? It's all right. It's like it's okay because she deserves it in this episode. She really does. She, she really does. You know, uh, she's like, I don't like where you're going with this, Tony. I'm at like he's he's telling you to destroy Alpha, and you're like, eh, you know, it's John Koenig, and I mean, it's John Koenig. <laughs> Crying out loud, it's John. It's John. You know, John. John, the guy who we all love. All praise John. 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 <laughs> like, mm. That guy. You know. All hail our concrete hero, John. Uh, the guy I can't say I love because, yeah, the writers. I don't know, but it, yeah. can't say I love because my mouth doesn't move that way. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so and it's like when she touches his hand and realizes that he's uh, corpse temperature <laughs> or whatever. It is. That's a weird sequence, too. She obviously knows. Right? I know. Mm-hmm. I know. There's That's John, not John, whatever the case may be. It's either not John or it's John taken over by something, not John. But, but that's definitely wrong John. And wrong John knows that she knows that there's something wrong. He obviously knows. I mean, she even says it. He had to have noticed that I suspected. He right. had to. And she's right, yeah. He had to have. Didn't do anything. No. Didn't do anything. No, and I she didn't do anything. Him. No, no, she didn't. Because I would have expected. Oh. She still seemed <sighs> to doubt it. Even <sighs> later on, later on at the thing, that the life support's crushing down and, you know, that's definitely not him and this is not John Koenig and, and with the lasers and everything and after they get him to stop shooting it by Helena by saying, you know, it'll take power away from your great project. He's like, yeah, you're right. You're right. And then she just uh, like goes and sits down. Like, okay, why. you're right. You're right. I'm not. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. It's like, no, you're not. Don't do it. And you, and, and this is why I hate this episode so intensely. <laughs> Uh, Stupidity abound. Mm, there is, there is, yeah, 
Yeah, it's. I think it. I, I really do think it's. I, I think it's indicative of. What can I say? Michelle knew exactly what point in this episode to mutiny. She was right. She was right. She's never seen this episode before. She's barely watched any episodes of Space 1999. Got there. Boom. Time for mutiny. I stopped the DVD. And I'm like, I'm writing this down. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm writing it down. Even the kid who doesn't watch the show. Like, time for a mutiny. We're done. Like, you're done. Of course, it helps that she knows that he is, in fact, the fake. But Well, duh. You know, but, but th- that's, she's, that is she's the moment. Simply, she's simply observing the behavior of everybody on Alpha, and she nailed it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it could have been so much better. And uh, especially if Koenig had had some way to be a lot more effective at preventing them from doing anything. I mean, Tony's head of security, and yet later on in episode, you know, a security guard says, uh, Mr. Vajeshi, I'm not allowed to let anybody out in the Eagle Bays. It's like, I'm your boss, dude. No kidding. <laughs> it's like, I'm the head of security. You are security. Do you want me to bust your butt down to the brig right now? Uh, no, sir, Mr. Vadeshi, sir. Right? But no. Well, the commander gave me an order. It's like, and the commander gives me orders, and I give you orders, and your orders are to stand out. That part bugged the heck out of me, too. Mm. Um, because for a moon base, you can't have it both ways, right? Chain of command or no chain of command. Correct. Appears to be the only chain of command on Moonbase Alpha is Koenig, everyone. Mm, yeah. 310 people report directly to John Koenig, who gives them directly orders. And well, nobody else's had, opinion matters. We've had this conversation. I mean, we've discussed uh, who is second in command. And we've never really known. We've kind of suspected that it's Tony because in. In the first episode of season two, he kind of sort of was running the show while John was down on Psycon. And and when John does say it, he says, you're in command, Tony. I need you here on Alpha to run the base, Tony, or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He doesn't say that to anybody else. We see it, as in, like, last time when Helena seemed to be in command um, the moon base. Makes no sense whatsoever, but... There you go. It's the king and queen effect, except that in this episode, there is no queen either. Right? Helena has no authority whatsoever, uh, as far as we can tell. And would would the security guards have forced Koenig to go for a medical evaluation? If she'd gone to a security guard and said, I'm the chief medical officer, I'm in charge of medicine, the commander's acting strangely, take him to sick bay, put him in a bed, put him in a bathrobe. Would they have done it? Because Koenig would have said, no, delay that order. Would they have followed her or would they have followed him? They would have followed Koenig. They would respect the two-step level of command. Yeah. <laughs> Me and the boss and you're nobody. So, yeah, there's... Yeah, so even Helena's uh, assertion rat, that yeah. she could uh, relieve John if she found him medically unfit or order him. I mean, at this point, I mean... He, she, she can't do that based on this current model. I mean, it sounds great. And in any other situation, yeah, the, the chief medical officer could do that. But notice right at when push starts to come to shove, what does John do? 
He threatens her with relieving her of duty, and mm-hmm. she acquiesces. She stands down. Yep. She gets, so she even gets, with all her bluster... Well, but then that is the point when then she turns around and touches his hand, too. John, what would he be... <gasps> Your hand! I mean, her face would have said that if it could have moved, but, you know. Her, her hand acting, which was terrible. For the next, what? 45 seconds to a minute in that scene as she's backing away from him. What is she doing? She's like moving that hand like she just stuck it in a pit. Mm, pretty much, yeah. Oops, there goes the bleeper. <laughs> but yeah, she's yeah. just like, she's just like got the hand of like, ew, icky, ew, and she's backing away. Of course, she can't do that with her face, but the whole time, it's like, did John notice that you noticed? Huh, I think he might have. <laughs> if it hadn't been for your gasping and pulling your hand back and freaking out, I mean, it would have been the, the hand thing all the way out of the room. Uh, would have... Yeah. And I, I, let's say that... Let's say their actions are all justified. Let, let, let's, let's try to pretend like this is not nuts. I can't. The way they behave. I know it's tough, but... No, but no, let, I mean, let, I can't. Let me I, ask I this question. <laughs> Was stealing an eagle... And going to the asteroid, the right course of action. What if Tony and Maya had walked into command center and held a laser, a stun laser on Koenig and said, I'm sorry, John, you're doing this thing wrong. We are actually going to uh, relieve you of command and not beam the energy over and kill us. What would have happened Hmm. in that scenario? Would Koenig have yelled at them? Yes, I'm sure. Confined them, called for security. Yeah. If they they have stun weapons, wouldn't they have... Who would have shot... Why didn't you shoot him? Nobody. See, you should have just shot him and stunned. Nobody. Nothing would have happened. Nobody. How many times have we seen an episode where the opportunity to take a shot at somebody has been right there and they haven't done it? And you know... There's, there's the discussion with regards to law enforcement carrying guns, and then there was that time when suddenly law enforcement started carrying tasers and guns because it's a non-lethal, you can't see the air quotes, but, but non-lethal way of subduing somebody without having to kill them. The fact that occasionally it kills them anyway is, is a different story. But the point is, that's an important... That was viewed as an important improvement or uh, evolution of policing. If you had a reliable stun weapon, which they appear to have a reliable stun weapon, at least on humans, that appears to have no permanent effects and appears to be effective 100% of the time, they don't act like it. They act like those lasers only shoot to kill. And, And I think stunning Koenig wouldn't have been a bad idea. Or sneaking up behind him in a hallway and stunning him and sticking him in a closet for a while. And just kind of going, well, I don't know where John is. I guess we'd better stop work on this thing until we find him. Or whatever. I mean, there's so many scenarios they could have played out. But instead, they, oh, we should steal an eagle. Oh, you know, but if he's giving bad things, then maybe he's not medically fit. Instead of stealing an eagle, let's talk to Helena for a while and and run that wasted subplot for a while. 
and then and then well we'll never be able to steal an eagle without alan so let's get alan in there and then have that whole subplot and then go oh well he won't go along with this so we'll just steal an eagle anyway could have been solved yeah there's just so many variations there's a lot of things in this series that could have been had they just written something smart yeah at any given time yeah you know, I do think Tony must be uh, head of security because he just walks into Maya's room without knocking. Yeah, well, or whatever it is you do Maya's on this. room, <laughs> and gives his best Captain Bly imitation. That was a. Uh, let's see, what else do we have here? I didn't mention my recap because it didn't seem relevant. <laughs> that the purpose behind the Calthon crystal is that it's a seed, and if it can get enough, uh, it's a, a whole civilization that's been sucked up and dehydrated. And <laughs> and shot into space like a peach pit. And if you can give it enough energy, it's going to spring out into another planet, uh, bringing back all the life and all of the stuff there in deep space where there's no sun to warm it and they will all die a horrible, cold, frigid death. <clears throat> uh, sorry, let's forget about that last part. Probably they didn't think of that. Um, but that's the point behind getting this creature to give them, to beam all that energy. It's not to break out of the mysterious thingamajiggy ray. It's to uh, transfer the life to Alpha, uh, from Alpha to this uh, planet. Koenig makes, real Koenig, makes one of his impassioned pleas, much like we did in A.B. Crystals. What kind of civilized beings are you to do this? To suck the energy from and kill everyone in Alpha so that you can live. And the creature responds back, the seed is only designed to survive. It cannot make moral choices or decisions. Okay, I guess I can accept that. To, yeah, on face value. Okay, I can. I will go with that. I will accept that on face value that they programmed. So we're talking to a computer here, maybe. Right. They've programmed it with a, you will find energy. When you find energy, do whatever you have to do to get that energy so that Calthon can live again. Okay, I will accept that. Bad programming, perhaps, but I will accept that but programming. It's yeah, I'll accept the fact that it was done, nonetheless. Why the heck was it laughing maniacally at the end? You will escape! <laughs> Why was it laughing? Not well, as boring. <laughs> Why was it torturing Koenig? Not as boring. I guess. Um, it just, yeah. <clears throat> I'm sure some studio exec take a look. You know, this is really boring. How did you make him laugh? I know. Tea in the Midlands. Oh, wait. No. <laughs> Let's have tea. Um, that would have been more acceptable. That would have been funny. <laughs> that would have been funny. They could have a, like a cafe that they call the Midlands. Oh, damn. If I ever, if I ever write a TV series set in outer space, I'm going to have a cafe called the Midlands where the characters drink tea. I'm all, hey, I think it's a great idea. I am, I am totally... And if anyone ever steals that, I'm going to point to this episode of the podcast. And you stole an idea from me. Tea in the Midlands. Um, where are we going? Tea in the Midlands. Sounds like a plan. Sounds like Central Perk on Friends. Mm-hmm. Um, is Alpha dead? It should be. Water in the recycling plants frozen? It, it needs to be dead. It needs to be put out of my misery. All of the hydroponics frozen? The protein stores, um, what were the protein stores? They were, they weren't frozen, but they were broken. Oh yeah, the protein production was broken and, uh, and their plants and their hydroponics and everything frozen, water recycling. Would it recover? Because I got the impression that's too much. I kind of think, yeah, it's too much. Uh, the, the needs of the, of Alpha are just too great 
to even bring things up a little bit at a time, one at a time, that I, I kind of just got the feeling that they Koenig's actions took it uh, past the point of no return. Hey, here's one. How about this? Hey, Calthon. If we beam all the energy from Alpha to your planet and you form a nice new planet with a rich, beautiful, advanced civilization, <clears throat> and just before we do that, we all take off in the eagles and, and get out of the way and you become a planet, can we land there and live? Mm-hmm. Because if they're still not bothering to try to find a place to uh, live. Uh, let's see. One last question. Koenig's final command, fake Koenig, final command, with regards to the energy beam. Did you catch what it was? I don't remember it. Turn it up to maximum plus 15. <laughs> oh, okay. That's like, you know, this this goes to 11. Uh, huh. <laughs> maximum plus 15. <laughs> I could just see. I could actually see the mutiny starting right there, <laughs> Commander. I, I, I can't. Uh, we're we're, uh, we're mutinying we're, based on stupidity. Uh, oh, I can't. I can't. I can't turn it up to maximum dot fifteen. Then I'll put you in jail, Mister. But but, Commander, the thing only, it only dials to up to 10. maximum. It only goes to ten. Wow, tough. <laughs> uh, oh well. Um, <laughs> oh well. <laughs> I it's just more of the same idiocy, you know, <laughs> idiocy in, the, in this episode. Yeah. So that's all I got. That's oh, all thank I said. <laughs> I, I, I got I got nothing left. I mean, this except that this was uh, another one of the this is another one of those where I dreaded dreaded having to do this, having to record this. Oh, OK. I was going to say, but you hadn't seen it before, so you couldn't dread it before you'd seen it. But, oh, I, I started yeah, dreading it after last night oh. when I watched it. <laughs> I was dreading it all days. Like, I really don't want to do this. I really do not want to do this. But it wasn't that bad, was it? It was that bad. Oh. It was that bad. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is nothing more. I always have fun. Oh, God. I don't. I don't. I know you enjoy. I really hate it. I hate talking about stupid shows and, and episodes where everybody is just a complete and utter moron. And boy, there was a lot of that in this one. There was a lot of that in this one. I don't want to talk about this. I really don't because it's just so painfully bad. I don't want to. I, I had no desire to revisit it. <laughs> well, and you laugh. I do laugh. I I do sort of sympathize. I mean, I, no, you don't. I do kind of. I mean, I do. I do get it. I I have. I the ones that I dread are the ones that have neither highlights nor lowlights. You know, there, there's the episodes where there's just nothing. There, there isn't anything to, to mock. There isn't anything to praise. There isn't any thought. Uh, nothing. Th- those are the ones that really I dread um, oh. going, going into it. It's like, so um, in, in a way. So, I mean, I do, I do sympathize with the notion that there are certain ones that you would just go into and, you know, like, yeah, anyway. Uh, well, then I, 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 I almost loathe to thank you for uh, joining me, but uh, but I will anyway because I have, you know. Memories. Oh, I'm thankful <laughs> that it's over. <laughs> and listeners, I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. Oh, I'm so glad this is over. <laughs> Fusion Patrol is a Lone Locust production. Like us? Please consider becoming our sponsor at patreon.com slash fusionpatrol. We'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. 
Stop by and visit us at our website, FusionPatrol.com. Search for us on Facebook under Fusion Patrol. Check out our Twitter handle, at Fusion Patrol. Or just send us an email at feedback at FusionPatrol.com. Please come join the conversation. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf.